0: Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship podcast, episode 42. Today, another interview. Uh, this one I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about. I shared his video a few weeks ago. Um, by the time this posts, likely like three weeks ago. Uh, his name's Jeff Bayless. He is a boatswain's mate chief uh, that went LDO uh, and reverted back. And I'll it, the story isn't is part of the interview, so I'll, I'll let that story tell itself. But Really interesting unicorn like adventure uh, that that Jeff went on and he parlayed that and the struggles involved into like a talk where he's been going around the fleet, relaying his story uh, in a vulnerable way that kind of allows him to share the not just the struggles, but like what he was going through, uh, how it happened, why it happened, the things he learned from it in an attempt to help sailors avoid, uh, being, being in the same situation he was in or just falling victim to the same uh, traps or, or, um, running into the same issues that that he did in in, like their career in general, uh, because everybody's path isn't going to be as exactly the same as his, but the story is really amazing. Uh, he, he reached out to me, sent me a video of him doing one of his talks and, I was immediately like, yeah, this is a guy I got to talk to. And I think you guys will benefit uh, greatly from the conversation. Uh, and I highly, highly encourage you, if you're in a position to do so, to uh, reach out to Jeff and and invite him to uh, come to your command and give this talk. And he also does a podcast uh, called The Evolution, which is really good. A, similar things to what I do, but he focuses on resilience. He has a lot of guests on. So check out the interview. Just start, and, and part of your your story is kind of the background and in, introduction I normally start with. So, like, you can just start where you normally do. Um, give me the background part, and then you just keep keep going with it, lead into it. I, I might stop you for some questions as you go, but for the most okay. part, I just want to get through the the story piece that you normally do, and then we'll go from there.
1: All right, cool. Yeah. So uh, my name is Jeff Bayless. Um, I'm from Spring, Texas. Uh, kind of had a a rough childhood. I mean, I think a lot of people do have a rough childhood. So I know I'm not yeah. alone with that. Um, not, not sitting here saying that I had the worst circumstance, I man. I had, I had good parents. Uh, they definitely cared. Uh, mm. but just by the mere fact that I'm a human being and I was a kid in a rough time, you know, I had some violence. Uh, I was a very aggressive kid. Uh, a lot of, you know, little scuffs with the law, nothing that isn't in my record or anything like that, you yeah. know, but, yeah. uh, you know, I definitely, uh, I was sexually abused as a kid, uh, kind of had some pre-service, uh, marijuana waiver, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, ditto. I dropped out of high school, got my GED and then, you know, I kind of found myself lost in life and not doing well. Uh, and I decided, uh, this, this was not working. So I joined the Navy, uh, and it yeah. took me, it actually took me, man. It took me like I don't want to exaggerate, but it took me at least six months to join the Navy uh, because I had so many waivers and stuff.
0: Right, right. Working through all the admin piece.
1: Well, they just told me no. I kept going to MAPS. Oh, okay. And, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I kept going to MAPS and they were like, no way, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my dad was a BOSA mate. My grandfather was a BOSA mate. Oh, and, nice. uh, Yeah. So, you know, I, I wanted to follow that legacy. Uh, yeah. And so I, I eventually got in uh, at the end of the fiscal year, uh, like, September 30th, they shut down MEPS The, you know, I don't even think it was on a computer. Like they had typewriters because it was like the very yeah. <laughs> last minute of the last day of the fiscal year where they're going to let all the scrubs
0: in the Navy. Yeah, you got to meet goal, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so that was uh, November of 2000. Went to boot camp. Uh, I share all that just kind of like I say in my talk. It's not really that's a lot of people's story, you know. Right, uh, right. I know I'm not alone with that, but. I think anybody, whether you had adversity as a child or not, when you join the Navy, you have to admit that it's an opportunity. Yeah. You know, even if you had the best parents, the best financial background, none of the issues that I had, it's a, it's an automatic opportunity. So I was really excited. You know, yeah. I I really took boot camp seriously. Uh, I liked it, man. I'm <laughs> I'm OCD. Like I love folding my skivvies and yeah. My wife makes fun of me because my pantry's like super organized. Everything dress right, dress. You know. Uh, so anyway, I I did well in boot camp. Got meritoriously promoted to E2. Went to my first ship, USS Peleliu, uh, LHA five uh, out of San Diego. Got there right before deployment. Did did what everybody else does. As soon as you get to a ship, you go uh, food service attendant. Yep. Uh, you know, did my, did my time there was kind of still kind of, honestly, I, I was still kind of lost. It was a big ship and I was still trying to figure out life. Uh, but once I got back into deck, uh, I kind of looked at that as even a fresh start from what we called mess cranking then. Right. Yeah. Um, so I know you know all about that process. Sure do. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I was, I'm not going to say I skated off horribly, but I I wasn't as laser focused as I was as soon as I got back into my division. Uh, As soon as I got back into deck, you know, I really got excited and we got more operational, right? Like we started doing cool stuff, underway replenishment, anchoring, small boat evolutions, well deck operations, LCACs, LCUs, hovercraft, landing craft, cool stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, So I got motivated, man. I, I just really started, um trying to do my very best, uh, which is all you can really ask of someone, you know? Uh, yeah. And so I, you know, I got qualified, man. I got qualified all the key positions and then eventually worked my way up to leading petty officer in work center soup as a second class, uh, on that ship. Uh, did two deployments there. Uh, pretty good evals, you know, I mean, I, yeah, we'll get later into the story. I guess I haven't always had great evals, but you know, right. Up until that point, you know, I had all EPs, uh, early promote sailor, uh, do, doing very well. Things are trending in the right direction. Uh, finish up on Peleliu. Uh, like I said, I'm from Texas. So, you know, probably most junior sailors can relate to this. I was just going to do four years and get out. Right. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm everybody gonna use... was going to do <laughs> I was going I
0: was getting out at every reenlistment until I, I uh, reenlisted as a chief at 11 years. So,
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I, I was going to use my GI Bill and go to college. Like I was like, "Ah, I'm too good for the Navy. I got more potential than this, but then I got, you know, this opportunity to go to Texas and, um, do, uh, my only, what will end up being my only shore duty, uh, which was law enforcement or force protection. Uh, I went to MAA school in San Antonio and then went to Ingleside, Texas, uh, for the mine Sweep base there to do security. Okay. Uh, so I, then again, I was just going to do shore duty and, you know, get some education and then get out. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but things, you know, I started doing well there. I went there, I was supposed to do Harbor patrol. Uh, I was supposed to do, uh, basically just kind of be a boat guy. Right. And then mm-hmm. really didn't expect anything out of boatsmates mates other than drive the boat and keep the perimeter safe. Right. Uh, and the leadership saw something in me there and kind of gave me the opportunity to come off the waterfront and do patrol and stand gate and, I became a field training officer and then eventually I became a watch commander, uh, which is like an, an LPO. Right. So I was a, I was a BM two as a watch commander. And then I made first class. Um, I got married, uh, to, um uh, my, my, my wife at the time that I ended up having, mm-hmm. uh, my first son with, uh, got my associate's degree or most of my associate's degree I had one class to finish up like, yeah yeah but
0: you get the point like so yeah yeah if you Did look all at the things you, know, you were supposed to do towards promotion yes. and yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: promoting on time got married had a kid you know got some education so i made first class and i was like man well, let me just see if i can make chief you know and if yep. i don't make chief in <laughs> like 8 years then i'll get out yeah uh, so i got orders to a pre-commissioning unit Uh, guided missile destroyer USS Stockdale uh, that was going to be home ported in San Diego again. And so I re-enlisted, took orders to that DDG and then went to Bath, Maine to build that ship. Okay. Uh, So that was a pretty cool process. You learn a lot about uh, the maintenance community. It was a different platform for me as well. A guided missile destroyer was a different culture. Like you can relate on a submarine, you know, I was used to this big ship Right. And now I'm on this mm-hmm. smaller unit where yeah, as a first yeah. class, I really had the opportunity to stand out.
0: Oh. Um, whereas on an LHA, you know, there's, it's, yeah, it's a, I imagine it's a lot more difficult.
1: Hundreds of first classes, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I did pretty well there. We sailed the ship around. I went there as a frocked first class. Uh, there were two other first classes that I worked with. Uh, and I think what. What you'll notice with a pre-commissioning unit is when you're in a building, a lot of people do pretty well with the admin or like, uh, you know, not being operational. The evals right. uh, were a lot different once we commissioned the ship and started doing Navy stuff, you know, basic yeah. phase certification training. Uh, so once we got operational, I really started to stand out, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. And there's nowhere to hide on a DDG as a BM-1.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's probably nowhere to hide on a DDG for anyone, I would imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: So that can be a blessing
1: or a curse, right? Right. Um, so, you know, again, I, I I probably should start or I, I typically try to say, you know, it, it sounds like I'm bragging when I say some of this stuff and we'll get to the humility piece. Uh, cause yeah. That's a big that's a big uh, principle, uh, core value of mine is humility. Uh so none of this is bragging. It's to help sailors. Uh, but so uh, you know, I did pretty well there. Uh, all EPs. Uh, you know, I was the first class petty officer association president. Uh, you know, the did all the things I was supposed to do. My daughter was born. Uh, anyway, I made chief first time up. So I'm an eight year chief, uh, and I'm going through initiation, and. I decide that I want to put in my LDO package, uh, during initiation. So,
0: yeah. I, can, I laugh because I can imagine that came up at some point and I can imagine the reaction. Uh, and rightly
1: so, you know, I mean, you should, yeah. you should be challenged, you know, I mean, I think, um, I think it is important to challenge someone with, uh, their intentions for whatever their program goals are. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. So it made it difficult for me, uh, mm-hmm. And, and I learned a lot actually because of that. And then I, I actually knew, or at least I thought I knew at that time that I almost pulled my package, uh, but I, I kind of knew that that was going to be my moral compass that, you know, I wanted to be a ship's bosun. for us. That was kind of like the pinnacle tour, right?
0: Right, right. So you almost so pulled think, your package because you wanted to accomplish that as a BM? No, I almost,
1: almost didn't submit my package because of the, you know, the, the hardship of that, that the chief's mess was giving me for throwing in my package, oh, okay. you know, gotcha. they were like, what do yeah, you mean? Yeah. You don't want to be a chief first. And yeah. I honestly, man, I didn't think I was going to get selected. I was just trying to show the program that I was committed to it and I was going to submit yeah. it like three or four times, but I yeah, wanted to go yeah. ahead and put it in. Get it
0: started. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I figured, you know, I'll be a chief for four or five years, but I'll put in a package each year. So on my fifth time, you know, they can look back and say, yeah, this guy put in a bunch of packages. Like, Let's go ahead and take right. mercy on this guy and select him, bro. <laughs> but I got selected. Uh, I really honestly, um, I did not think I was going to get selected, but I did. Right. So I took orders of that ship as a BM2, went there as a frock first class, made chief, and left there as an ensign. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a good tour for me. Um, yeah. Did a, did a lot of good stuff there. I uh, ended up deploying on that ship. Came off deployment to go to LDO school for officers back then, or for LDOs back then, you could uh, get SWO pins, surface warfare officer pins. Uh, right. And really, it wasn't necessarily a requirement, but it kind of is. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to get an LDO or a, a SWO pin, I knew that was a priority. So I, I called the detailer, like, I mean, I really, like I say, in my talk, Me, I felt bad for this guy. I still remember his name. I won't use it here, but uh, <laughs> I called this guy all the time, just bugging him for a ship. I ended up getting an word modded three different times. Finally calls me back. He's like, how do you feel about Kodiak, Alaska? I was like, can I get a SWO pin in Kodiak, Alaska? And he's like, nah, I'm just messing with you boats. So I got USSO kill out of Norfolk or out of Little Creek, Virginia. Right. Move the family uh, again um, to Little Creek. Or, you know, to Virginia Beach area, took orders to USS Oak Hill, reported there as a new ensign. Got my SWO pin. Once I actually got laser focused to it, it took me about three or four months. I was, okay. I, mean, I, I got my SWO pin within a year uh, being commissioned.
0: Is that, is that like the normal timeline ish or is that fast? It's
1: pretty fast.
0: I was yeah. gonna say, it sounds fast.
1: I mean, I will tell you too, um, the focus, you know, so you have to get officer of the deck qualified. You have to get SWO engineering qualified. You got to get uh, SICWO, you know, combat information since, uh, systems watch officer or center watch officer qualified. I will tell you that they knew I was never going to stand.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, I'm not going to stand EOW. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, i right. <laughs> a deck guy. You're going to need me out on the crane on the well deck. Um, so I'm not going to say they made it super easy for me. I mean, I definitely earned my SWO pin. But it might have been a little bit different for me as, a, as an LDO, as a ship's bosun, And I didn't have to do any of the prereqs, right? So, a, re- a typical SWO right. is not boat officer qualified. They're not officer of the deck and port qualified. Right, and right. 3M qualified. So,
0: all that was already checked. Already done, know. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I had already six months of that battle tackled, you know, as opposed yeah. to a regular ensign that has to go through all these basic preliminary qualifications. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty fast, but I'd say just a little bit fast for an LDO. Uh, but it was it was definitely fast for an officer. so i I reported there as the ship's bo'sun. I was the debark control officer, Welda control officer, mogas officer, crane officer, aviation facilities coordinator, command duty officer, corrosion control program manager i'm I'm probably skipping a few or whatever. <laughs> uh, ship went into maintenance availability I became the maintenance officer. so you know, I definitely did as much as I possibly could on that ship to not only impact the ship's mission, but enhance my career and ensure that I got good evaluations, good fit reps. So, as you look at it from the outside, you know, everything's trending in the right direction. The career is definitely on point. And as an outsider, if you don't really know me, and even the people that did know me, honestly, thought everything was going well, because in my personal life, what you saw was I was doing Ironman distance triathlon.
0: uh, Right. I wasn't even a professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did CrossFit for about God like five years and there's a long story about my medical stuff and how I was willpowering my way through some medical issues that are now coming back to haunt me, but it was rough. And I like, we competed a few times. I got more in Olympic weightlifting. Cause I'm like a, that's more my lane is pick up heavy things and put them down. But yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, Ironman distance triathlon, uh, two and a half mile, uh, Swim, one hundred and twelve mile bike, twenty six point two mile run—pretty uh, arduous process. And I share that not to brag, uh, right. but you know, I, I started kind of taking the podium at some of these just age group placing. Like, not yeah, I wasn't yeah. wasn't going to go pro or anything. But the point of that is, if you look at my Facebook profile on social media, and as an outsider, if you look at my life, if you look at Jeff Bayless as a person, you think he's got everything squared away, like you right. Know, impervious to failure. Right. (laughs) And yet what you don't know at home is like, my life is miserable. Um, My marriage is failing. Uh, I'm not happy. Um, And, you know, that was just a bad environment in general uh, because not because necessarily that uh, we can talk about this more later, but not because it was such a, uh, you know, anybody's fault or just that it was because I wasn't dealing with it. Right. You know, problems you don't deal with, just don't get better with time. And I was faking the funk, you know, I was just trying to fake it till I make it. Yeah. And, you know, what was carrying me through was my ego and, and my intellect, I guess, and my, my ability. But at a certain point it led to my own failure. You know, I fell from like Icarus. Right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so got to fight, uh, I was under the influence of alcohol. Uh, sorry, I, I should back up. So I, we had already had, um, a rocky road in the marriage and it wasn't going well. Uh, and my wife said at the time said to me, you know, like, Hey, you need to knock off this, uh, you know, take a break from triathlon or right. take a break from the Navy and go to shore duty. And, uh, and I said, uh, you know, I, I lied to her and told her there was no shore duty available. And I took orders to the USS Theodore Roosevelt as the assistant first lieutenant. So as a, an assistant department head right on an aircraft carrier. And so that caused another rift in the marriage. And eventually, you know, we got in a pretty bad fight, um, because I was still, you know, getting underway, absorbing myself and going to sea and the triathlon. And, um, I got, we got a fight and I got behind the wheel of my, my truck uh, under the influence of alcohol. And I got in an accident uh, and you know, the, the ship was actually getting underway the next morning. Uh, oh, wow. So uh, the officer showed up, uh, basically said, you know, the accident wasn't your fault, but you have the odor of alcohol on or about your person. And uh, you know, we're definitely, you're definitely going to jail tonight. You know? Yeah. Um, went to jail is completely, uh, I think the best course of action that anybody has once they're in that situation is just cooperate. Uh, right. I did, you know, it's very respectful to the police officer did everything I was supposed to do. And therefore it made my process a little bit speedier uh, where I was released and allowed to go to the ship and self-report in the morning reported to uh, USS Theodore Roosevelt immediately told my department head who happened to be the command duty officer that day that I was arrested the night before for driving under the influence of alcohol and, uh, you know, Hey, I can't even get underway with the ship. Like I need to go figure out what's going on with my life right now. Yeah. Uh, so first thing that happens, uh, when you get a, a DUI or at least it was my experience is that you can't drive on base for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's automatic. You don't have to be convicted of a DUI. You do not have to, you know, once the base finds out, they're just not going to let you drive on base until it's figured out. Uh, so I couldn't drive on base for a year. It ended up being that I couldn't drive for two years because uh, my license ended up getting suspended for a year. So straight up could not drive to work for two years. Second thing that happened was my automatic promotion to lieutenant was uh, removed. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't removed. It was like uh, it was withheld. So they, they basically put it on hold pending whatever was going to happen in court. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I deployed on that ship, um, standing officer of the deck underway in fifth fleet, and I'm pending a board of inquiry, a detached for cause. Uh, Now my wife has decided she's done uh, with the marriage. I don't blame her. I have no ill will towards her. I wasn't participating in that marriage. Uh, It was a failed marriage, Uh, but I'm facing a divorce. And that's going to lead to child support and custody um, yeah. stuff. So I'm, I'm battling all this stuff, you know, and my promotion's withheld. And the, the issue with the promotion is that you can't retire as a Lieutenant JG, right? So even though, yeah. uh, you know, most people, I think and this is an important thread to to pull, a lot of junior sailors and, well, probably anybody that hasn't been in trouble as an officer, they think that, a lot of this stuff gets swept under the rug Yeah, uh, when when officers get in trouble. And that was absolutely not the case for me. <laughs> you
0: know? right. right. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot with like the chief stuff. And I in my experience, it, like I'm not saying it's never happened, but like in my experience and the multiple messes I've been in, it's like that stuff. It doesn't happen like there's when you hear like we it got handled in the mess. It's like there are times where I'm sure that's that. Statement means that something kind of shady happened, where they they made sure that somebody was taken care of. But the vast mm-hmm. majority of the time, it either means that it was hap- handled at the lower lowest level possible because we weren't into the realm of UCMJ action. But I'm telling you, man, I've I've stood at a captain's mask for a senior chief. I've watched two chiefs separate from him get DRB would all the same submarine. Uh, mm-hmm. I've I've seen plenty of chief misconduct get. Get handled at that like Article 15 level, so like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it happens as much as everybody thinks it does. I, I do think there's stuff that like goes unreported, and maybe there is a, a, the minority of those issues that we hear about are the ones that are like actually getting handled, where it's like we're trying to hide it or there's some, or maybe some, they got a
1: letter of reprimand or a punitive letter of caution, you know? Or something right, like, that too, yeah.
0: and that's what I, that's what I yeah. tell people too. I'm like. Like it's there are other administrative processes that most junior sailors aren't even aware of, like non punitive letters of reprimand, like letters of instruction, letters of caution, like punitive letters of reprimand. There's all kinds of stuff that can happen that doesn't include the Article 15. And then maybe even that happens and you're just not privy to it, which I disagree with commands not being transparent about that when it does happen. I think that like a lot of value is gained from that transparency where this because the sailors see that that accountability happened. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: In my case, uh, my department knew it was me and thought yeah. I got away with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely that. Uh, Cause honestly, I didn't come out like I do now. I wasn't as transparent about it. I wasn't like, Hey right. guys, this is what happened. Let's have a department head call and <laughs> let me explain yeah. the scenario. Cause everything Did was you, still pending and I was scared yeah. to death. You know what I mean? Like, Did I was you get the opportunity
0: to, to, to go back at some point and Tell, I mean, tell those people that were remaining because I imagine time elapsed that this is what happened and this is my story. Or did it, did that, did you not progress to that until later where you're doing what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, it was now? way later. This took six okay. years.
1: Yeah, gotcha. I, I would say that my reach now probably has gotten to all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you know which what I mean? am glad. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, anyway, you know, pinning all this court stuff, Navy and civilian and losing my family and. And I'm just not talking to anybody, man. Like I'm not using any of the resources. Uh, you know, I was afraid if I talked to the dapper or the chaplain or the psych doc or uh, anybody, if I talked to anybody about anything that was going on, even the jag on board, I couldn't talk to them because yeah. you know I was afraid it would. I was afraid to use the resources available for fear that it would have negative ramifications on my career uh, right. and my my ability to promote. So, we get halfway through deployment, my lawyers lined it up, uh, this is July 2015, now a year later, I flew back home on my own dime, cost me about $3,000 round trip, exhausted all my leave days, flew home, pled guilty to the DUI, got divorced, uh, lost my house, fly back out to the ship, uh, $40,000 in debt, uh, pretty much got nowhere to live. Uh, you know. Just, I mean, I just, I just, I describe this time in my life as being in a pressure cooker. That's the best way I know how to explain it. And, uh, you know, again, I went back to the ship, and I didn't talk to anybody, man. I just, right. I, I didn't talk to the, um, you know, the on the aircraft carriers, it's the the navigator who's a pilot, 05, probably 06 select so like, that's in charge of like the the bridge team and stuff. And I didn't even talk to him and say, hey, you know what? I'm probably not in a good mental state to drive this aircraft carrier in the middle of the Persian Gulf right now.
0: Right yeah, like I'm surprised they allowed you to like when you I, when you said that in the video, kind of like so we had I'm sure you saw the publicity piece and I, I know a little bit more about it because I'm in the community and conversations with people that were in the know, but like mm-hmm. the sailor that uh, was in, and I, I hope I'm not misquoting this uh, the the shooting that happened at the in Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, the sailor was pending disciplinary action, had a bunch of stuff going on. I don't know all of it, but I know enough to know he he was pending disciplinary action and they put him on watch like with a, with a gun on his leg. Mm-hmm. So it's like I was surprised. That was one of the things where everybody was kind of surprised. They're like D- was that the best plan? And like I wasn't there. I don't know. I wasn't involved in that decision-making process. I have no idea what the details were. So like there's a high likelihood that no one saw any of that coming. But it's like when you're in that type of a stressful situation, it's like I feel like that question should at least occur to someone. Like, are we, are we, like, you're going through the flow chart? Like, is he in a mental state to stand this watch and keep the ship safe? And it's like, for for your situation, it's like, the people that were gonna make that decision, I would imagine, were in the know at least at some level, and it's like, man, like, should this dude be dri- driving the aircraft carrier right now? Well, and, and in their defense, uh, yeah, you know, everything's nuanced and everything's personality-driven.
1: You know, like sure. I said earlier, everybody thinks that uh, you know the Navy's very objective and we have these instructions in place and these policies, and you know that that's just not the case. Everything's personality-based and it is subjective in nature, and not, you know, yeah. I. I did not go to the ship and say, Hey, you know what? I can't do my job. I went back to the ship and said, Hey, you know what's best for me? Let me just Doing put my, my head down. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. everybody I talked to, I was like, you know, what would be best for me is just, let me just keep grinding it out. You know? um,
0: And, and, and I, there's cases where that's true. Cause like I mm-hmm. went through a bad divorce where I got cheated on and I was in a very similar situation to what you described. And it was just like, there was two weeks where I was a hot mess, man. But then it was like after I kind of got I tied it off and did the things I needed to do. That's what I that's what I did. I was on a special project submarine where we deployed a ton and it was like, that's what I needed to do. And luckily, we were coming out of the yards and it was just in time to start where it was like all of a sudden the afterburners are on and I'm going a thousand miles an hour all the time and I'm never home. And it was like it worked and it kept me distracted. It kept my head in the game. All I did was focus on work and my sailors. And it was like. Well, I I
1: can't tell you my performance declined.
0: Sure. yeah, You know, and
1: I, I talk about this very openly and honestly, you know, I let my department head down. I let my captain down. I let my junior sailors down because of all the stress I was under and, and also, you know, all the administrative work and phone calls and, all the stuff that I'm having to handle, it took me away from my actual ability to do my job at my right. best capacity. Right. You know what I mean? And I
0: think, yeah, one of the big differences, too, in our situations was I was t- I was talking to everybody, man. Like mm-hmm. I was my cop yeah. had gone through a similar situation. I, that was the first guy I talked to. And he sympathized and was like, day or night, I will come get you if I need to. Like you call me before you do anything. And it was like I was talking to fleet and family support counselors. I was, you know what I mean? Chaplain. Mm-hmm. Like I was. Every resource, because I was terrified I was going to go off the rails. You know what I mean? Well, and that's you know that's exactly what I should
1: have done. That's not what I did do, and I yeah. I can tell you exactly why. Um, you know, I think for a lot of years, uh, a book I would reference here is the Five Levels of Attachment by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And you know, the Cliff Notes, or at least the takeaway from my specific experience, is that I over-identified as a naval officer. It was it was not something I
0: did. Right. It was who I am. Right. We just talked about that last night, man. (laughs) And
1: I was at fear of losing my identity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: like the divorce, honestly, that was stressful, but it was more about the finances and my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that marriage was done probably three years before that.
0: Right. So it wasn't like a shock.
1: No, but I was like at risk of losing my career, which is everything I built for the last 15 years and everything that I identified as. I was a human doing, not a human being. Yeah. And uh, that that's exactly why I was in such a dark place. And so, you know, I didn't talk to anybody. Eventually what that led to was, you know, suicidal ideations. And again, I didn't talk to anybody. You know, I was looking for the easy button. I never saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, at every turn, it was bad news. Um, so, you know, I submitted a package to request not to show cause, not to go to a board of inquiry and to not get detached for cause. Uh, the captain came back and said, no shit, mate. It's kind of becoming an officer. You're gonna, We're going to detach you for cause, and you're going to have to show cause and prove that you need to be retained in the Navy. Yeah. Uh, and I just wrote him back very humbly and just said, uh, you know, I did it. And if that's what you think, you know, then I need to, I need to face that music too because, uh, you know, I definitely did it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, but I asked him to look at my impeccable service. Like I said, I had all EPs going into this thing, and uh, he took mercy on me shredded that paperwork. Uh, I've never heard of this happening to anybody else. And of anything, I'm very grateful for this. Uh, And the captain said, okay, we're not going to recommend show cause, but you are going to get detached for cause. Right. So I I was, I was DFC'd from the ship. Eventually seven months later, PERS came back and said, yeah, you don't have to show cause, but you know, we, we approve uh, the detached for cause. Yeah. So I went to Naval Beast Group 2, like I said, I had a pretty good reputation in the community. Uh, some senior people, uh, like 06s, deck LD LDO 06s, uh, kind of brought me over there to Naval Beast Group 2 to do amphibious warfare, landing craft, LCACs as a detachment officer in charge. And uh, the first, so, you know, once Pers approved that I was going to stay in the Navy, now I got to fight for my promotion, you know, like for you as a, a senior chief, you know, if you don't make mass chief, whatever, you can still go to your higher tenure, but right or as a first class, you can, first your class, retirement yeah. is safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So for me, you know, it's, it's a, an officer's version of a higher tenure. If I don't put on lieutenant, I ended up being a JG for six years. I was commissioned for eight years. I was, I was the senior JG in fleet temps. I was a senior JG in the Navy.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it's normally like, it's normally three or four years, right? And then you put on a second bar. It's two, was, and two. Was, yeah. two and two. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking four because of that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, and the circumstances, you know, basically I got right. this DUI right before I would have promoted to Lieutenant. Um, right. so it ended up being that I was, you know, commissioned for eight years. Uh, but, uh, six of that was a JG. And, yeah. um, so I put in my first package to promote to Lieutenant and I didn't have a lot going in. I had my first, uh, adverse fit rep ever in the Navy yeah. two three point oh, two non early promote evals that I've ever, I'd never had a non-early promote eval. And these were two 3.0 promotable evals, which actually I should have gotten a significant problems in a progressive. Uh, So I, you know, I'm not, please anybody listening to this, I please, I don't want you to think that I'm at any way, shape or form talking negatively about the command or their decisions. Because what, what you do when you get a DUI is you put your chain of command in a hard situation where they have to make those decisions. Uh, and so, you know, I got the two 3.0s, went into this uh, promotion, not feeling too good about it. But honestly, everybody was shipmating me and like, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to be good. Yeah. Um, and that's what people do as human beings. We You know, it's it's easy to tell someone that it's going to be okay because that makes you feel good to tell them that. And it feels yeah. good to hear that. But sometimes that's not the reality. Right. I, I think I would have <laughs> handled it a lot better had I known the reality that this yeah. is not this is not a hundred slam dunk, you know, hundred percent. Right. slam dunk.
0: I try real hard when I'm in those situations to be like to deliver it as well as I can, but be like, make sure they walk away with the reality of the situation. Cause like I had a kid that he went to captain's mass after a really long pattern of misconduct that was well-documented. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about how much I hate writing counseling sheets and hate doing the admin piece of accountability, but it is what it is. Sometimes your hands forced and, uh, We wrote him, a uh, um, after the mass, it was a not recommended for attention or advancement, significant problems type of eval. And it was like sitting him down, like, look, man, I need you to understand that, like, not only are you not recommended for attention right now, but like, you have one chance to redeem yourself. Like, he's going to catch one eval before he's at higher tenure as a seaman. And it was like that type of reality check. Because this kid, like, he was... Some of it was like he just was struggling. Some of it was he didn't like his job, but a lot of it was like he'd never, like you were talking about, never faced adversity ever. And Mm -hmm. so he didn't have a good work ethic programmed into him. He didn't have the drive that you're talking about. Like he didn't have any of those things. He was kind of like your typical like the what everybody calls a millennial, even though that's not real. Like it's (laughs) it's like a Gen Z like kid that grew up playing video games and getting everything handed to him. And so he struggled to figure that piece out. And when he got presented with that reality of like, hey, man, this thing that you love so much that where it's really an idea in his head where he loved the idea of being a sailor, but he wasn't willing to put the work in to actually do it. Um, yeah. He's presented with the reality of, hey, man, you're not going to get to do this thing you love anymore because you're, you just don't listen when we say the people that you're looking at and admiring and the positions that you want to be in, and the things you want and the accolades and everything else. Like you have this romanticized vision in your head of what it actually is to be a sailor, but you're not doing it. You're like, it's almost like you're pretending a little bit. It's like, right. you need to start putting the work in, man. You need to, this switch needs to flip right now. Where you're yeah. out of you're out of time and out of chances. You're definitely it, not
1: doing anybody any favors by sugarcoating it or not telling right, them the hard truth. Yeah. Right,
0: and it but I what I've seen is when you do provide that like clarity, like hey, this is where you're actually at, and I can't promise you anything mm-hmm. except you have one opportunity to turn this around, and it may be too late, but it's worth a shot. And it was like that's the that's what he needed and so he the switch did flip and he did start to produce and he did start to perform and he's probably gonna get retained and i mean he has to make third class soon but uh but yeah well
1: one thing one thing i talk about uh on that in that same vein like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I read a lot of during this time i read a lot of stoic philosophy i read a lot of uh, marcus aurelius ryan holiday wrote a book called the obstacle is the way and mm-hmm. I think the good takeaway is, you know, on the other end of whatever adversity, let's say this, this sailor, even me, right. Let's say I did lose my retirement. I did get uh, pushed out of the Navy. On the other side of that adversity, that's where the, you know, that's where the growth is. That's right. It's like the hero's journey. Yeah. On the other side of that adversity, let's say you do have to swallow that you're getting kicked out of the Navy pill.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're still going to be okay. Like, yeah. it, you know what I'm saying? You don't have, even if you got diagnosed with cancer, you know, like that's just yeah. an opportunity for you to do as much positive work while you're still on this planet. Uh, yeah, And that's exactly what I'm trying to do now. That's, that's how we ended up connecting. Like I am right. getting forced retired out of the Navy and we'll get there in the story, but yeah, yeah, you know, on the other side of that adversity is a good human being. You know, right. I, I say, uh, I, I may I not be commander. In- I may not be yeah, commander yeah. Bayless, but like Jeff Bayless is a pretty good human. You
0: know what yeah, I mean? And I'd venture to guess Jeff Bayless has done more good in the last, you know, from date of of uh, like the recognition and mental clarity that like this is the impact that I can make where you started doing this stuff. I think you said back in November from That's then right. to now, you've probably done more good than you did in the in the prior however many years. Right. 100%. Your impact. Yeah. yeah. Your impact f- has gone so far wide that like. I, I struggle to think that you haven't made a way bigger impact on way more sailors from, from that experience and the result of that experience and then just the reach and the, the things you've been able to touch from that time until now. A thousand percent also yeah. you
1: know, comes back to the intentions. You know, I think senior officers, I've had the opportunity to work for very senior officers and very worked with very junior sailors. And it doesn't matter the rank, uh, sailors in general can tell when somebody doesn't have good intentions or if they're, if
0: they're just reading a script, or if yep. we're just saying, you know, spit in the party line, like this blah, is the blah, chief's blah. creed. Yeah. This is, yeah. you know, yeah,
1: you know, this is what the POD
0: says. And, I talk about know. that a lot, man, that authenticity. And it's like, it's like sailors will see right through you. 100%, like, you can't, yeah. you cannot fake this. Like they are, they are so adept at picking up whether or not somebody actually cares about them or they're pretending. And it's just like, you're not going to ever connect and have the, the trust in that relationship that you need. Need to be an effective leader if if you you can't convey to them and it's it's incredibly simple because if you actually care you're going to convey that you actually care yeah, uh, yeah. but it's you can't there's no faking it <laughs>
1: like well it just, see it, I still didn't get it right so I, I put in that second that first package came back denied with a 3.0s right. and uh, so now I decide I'm just going to get as operationally uh, busy as possible I did a a bunch of operations. I don't even know if I can, I probably could, but it doesn't matter. I did a bunch of deployments and operations, um, and so I ended up with uh, three 5.0 fit reps, two Navy commendation medals, a letter from a two star admiral, uh, and all this operational stuff really important work, yeah, cool, like very sexy amphibious warfare stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, you know, you're gonna make the promotion, don't worry about it, you're gonna be good to go. And obviously, I, I wasn't selected. Uh, But going back to what you were talking about, you know, how sailors can uh, see that, you know, I think, like I said earlier, I was, I was climbing that ladder and I was pushing that promotion. I was climbing that ladder, but it was up against the wrong building. You know, I was, I was laser focused on my own promotion. uh, And if I didn't get promoted, man, that was going to be like the end of the world, you know? Uh, But it wasn't, (laughs) you know, I mean, not as I move that ladder over to the right building, which is, um, you know, actual service, like yeah. legitimate, not worried about making lieutenant, not worried about that next deployment. I mean, you know, I'm not saying don't worry about mission, but what I am saying is service should be first. Right. You know, like if you can, it's hard to even call it service because it's so rewarding when you see someone yeah. benefit from the <laughs> good that you're doing for them.
0: I say that about this podcast all the time, man. Like Mm -hmm. I get people thanking me for doing it and I'm like, don't thank me, man. you know how selfishly I like revel in the type of feedback that I get from this thing. Like where like, I get guys getting a hold or girls getting a hold of me saying, Hey, like I have this problem and I'll address it on a podcast or I'll talk them through it via whatever messaging. So, and it's like, then they Mm -hmm. reach back. I got a guy reached out yesterday, uh, talking about something and he, and he said, I had talked to him like six months ago. I did a podcast on his specific situation. he's like, it's gotten so much better. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, that's, that's, like that's what, that's like, that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, that's I exactly what it's it all so about.
1: Much. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you care, you know, and that sure. your, your audience, your listenership, they know that you care. You wouldn't do it because you're not yeah. trying to get rich and famous on a podcast. Right, like, right. I'm not here meeting you, uh, having this conversation because you know, this is going to help me in my career when I get forced retired on September 11th. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. I genuinely care from the bottom of my heart that if my vulnerability in stuff that I'm not proud of, if it can help even one person, if it can reach that one person yeah, and, and tell them, hey, man, if you're thinking about killing yourself, just just give it a day. Just yeah. a moment of patience can save years of pain, not only for you, but those around you. So yeah. give it a day. You know, if if you're making poor decisions, you know, pay attention to those bells and whistles. There were a lot of warning signs going off, brother, and I ignored every one of them. It wasn't that one decision to operate a motor vehicle on July 14th, 2014. There was a thousand little decisions that got me to that ignition switch that day. Right. So pay attention to those stuff. You know, and if if one of those messages just reaches one sailor. Yeah. Dude, it's worth it. You know, it, right. it really is. Uh, when
0: When did the mental shift happen? Like where you... Like, cause you said, I like, I still didn't get it. I was still chasing the promotion to the Lieutenant. Like when did the ladder switch to the right building? So
1: the letter came back. Yeah, that's a great question. The letter came back and said, you know, Hey, you're going to have to, uh, you know, get out of the Navy on the first day of the seventh month. That's how it works when you two time yeah. FOS, right? When you fail to select a second time as an officer. And I called uh, PERS and worked out another package. Got it. I'm, I'm going to put this out here publicly <laughs> now. If anybody needs help with packages, <laughs> hit me For up. For real. <laughs>
0: We got sub- the SME right here. Yeah, I have <laughs>
1: submitted every package possible. Uh so anyway, I I submitted that package, and so I had to take that that uh that lump, you know, and so I think that's when the switch happened is when I knew I was gonna revert back to Chief. Not I, I don't think I don't like to get too preachy or anything. Uh yeah. I personally am a Christian, but I, I don't push that on anybody. Uh but I do think that uh at a certain point I had to realize that it was bigger than me. Yeah. And that, You know, whatever your belief system is, if it's the Buddha, if it's the chair you're sitting in right now, that's holding you (laughs) up, whatever that, you know, that, that higher power at a certain point, I just had to say, you know what, this is bigger than me. And this is what I'm supposed to do, Yeah, you know? And honestly, man, we, we talked about it earlier, but, uh, the chief's mess embraced me back. They weren't, uh, no chief was like, Hey, anchor chucker, uh, you sold out now you're just coming back. Like everybody was like. Hey man, you had a rough go chief hard for the last two years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, that's exactly which what I'm amazing. trying to do, man.
0: Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I'm trying we ta- to do. We, we talked about that earlier where I was like, I I've seen and been kind of like, I, I'm displeased by the, uh, kind of the outlook sometimes that you, and some of it's just in jest, like guys are just mm-hmm. giving one of their brothers or sisters a hard time about uh, going the officer route, but you'll hear a lot of that, like anchor Chuck or quitter, like that, that they, uh, they gave up on being a chief to go do something else. And it's like, instead of embracing that, cause like I, during chief season stuff have tried to bring in warrants and bring in LDOs that were chiefs or senior chiefs or mass chiefs. And it's, I I've never like, not never, I, I more often than not, I get a cold reception of that idea. (laughs) Like I'll be the good idea fairy in the planning meeting going, Hey, why don't we bring in some warrants and LDOs? Cause that we're responsible for training junior officers. So why would I not? like want wardroom influence on this process because it's like I'm responsible for teaching future commanding officers how to lead. Especially if they've
1: been through the process.
0: Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, so they've got both perspectives. Uh, How valuable is that? Like, and and there's so many times where you just don't get that. And I think, uh,
1: you know, what I've learned too, I got to, that's great. That's pretty profound. Uh, you know, you have that thought process, but I think with my unique experience of coming from you know, E1 to the mess, to the wardroom, back to the mess. Right, right. What I've learned in that is, you know, again, I just go back to intentions and, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of things are personality based. And, you know, I think we can look at a, you know, an O3, an O4, a W5, an E5, and, you know, everybody has potential to perform. And a lot of times in the military, because we have this structure where we don't necessarily always, uh We don't always allow for a meritocracy to happen, right? Uh, Even though we may have like altruistic intentions, we don't always support a meritocracy because of your rank. So this is what you're—you're an E five. You're supposed to be the ALPO, and Mm -hmm. we're not going to let. On my particular ship, I'm not going to assume the risk of letting a first class stand officer of the deck, or you know, whatever that. Right. Or you're you're a warrant officer. We're not going to let you back into the mess to, uh, you know, council sailors that want to put in officer packages. Right. Well, why not? You know, that's like what nuts. Are, yeah. What are the, what are your intentions with that? Like, check in with your core value system. Like, not the Navy's honor, courage, commitment, which we you know we can definitely use that. But what is your value system to where you're saying your individual value system, your intentions for not allowing that to not facilitating that potential of growth? Right.
0: You know. And I don't under like I I don't understand why we don't spend a little more time. Leveraging those types of of resources, even if so, like you're saying, like I'm not going to let a first class stand off to the deck for mm-hmm. various reasons, but that doesn't mean that first class doesn't have valuable input on how to be a better officer of the deck from their perspective of a subject matter expert on whatever piece feeds into officer of the deck success, right? And exactly. it's like I've I've learned from this platform like the most so far, and I'm trying to get more junior guys uh, and gals to get a hold of me to do more interview t- type stuff, but the conversations I've gone all the way down to. So uh, when I did the Amber Viola interview, she was a GM two that worked for me Um, Mm -hmm. all the way up to, you know, a fleet master chief. Um, And I like, I, you're, you're the first guy with officer experience. I got a couple other guys in the pipe that, that will soon, but it's, it's having these different types of conversations at all different levels. It's like, you're, it's amazing. The type of perspective you get and the, the different, revelations you can have by having those types of conversations with those sailors. Cause once you, once you open yourself up to that kind of a dialogue with those people, not just to be a more effective leader. So you're doing it with the people in your work center, but like having the types of conversations where when you see a pipe hitting first class, that is, has ownership of that uh, piece of the pie that feeds into something like an officer deck that to, when mm-hmm. you have the, the ability to get the feedback and you open up that dialogue so that they're willing to do that as well, it's like, God, you get so much goodness out of that,
1: brother. I, I love exactly what you're saying, uh, yeah. and 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 I, I, the way I define that, uh, I, I'm not saying anything different than what you're saying. I just say it a little mm-hmm. bit differently. Is that radical diversity? And so, yeah. you know, in the Navy, we embrace diversity, or in the military, really in culture at large, I think we're trying to yeah. at least embrace diversity. But what we look at that is like, okay, well, you know, your your race, your gender, your you know, the Navy's really getting pretty, at least from my experience, I can't speak for everybody. I know that racism exists out there. I know sexism, yeah. you know, I know there are cultures where, you know, in the military, I mean, we are just another uh, version of society. Like we're not uh, immune right. to poor work environments and we need to do our best to nip that stuff in the bud because it does happen out there. But when I'm talking about diversity, I'm talking about diversity of thought, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, cause we've already gotten over like maybe we haven't gotten over it. That's not fair, but we're working through being more diverse uh, in, you know, sexual orientation, uh, sexual preference, you know, we're working through all that diversity stuff. I'm talking about having the diversity of thought, you know, maybe this, maybe this senior chief has some background that can benefit the wardroom or vice versa, or, you know, I, I think we get too caught, uh in or stuck in these grooves because it's the easy swim lane uh and really what that what that stems from is fear you know yeah. we we have anxiety or worry uh to get outside of our swim lane for fear we might lose uh some credibility or we might lose some uh you know some of this reputation that we think we should that we deserve yeah. and that you know that's that's another thing I talk about a lot uh a philosophy that I have worked through pretty well is, uh, you know, I think if we're speaking about the chief's mess as an example or the wardroom or the Navy as a whole, or you as a man, you know, we're so worried about our legacy that, yeah. you know, like the chief's mess, we're worried about our legacy, you know, that what feeds your legacy, if you work it backwards is yeah. you know, reputation, right? So what feeds your reputation? Well, it's your character. And then what feeds your, Your character is your value system, but if you're only focused on your legacy, you're forgetting, why don't you just worry about your values and your your character? and then that handles itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you for finishing my sentence. Exactly (laughs) right, yeah. Your reputation and legacy, I was so worried, and I'm a prime example. This is exactly why I failed so greatly, uh, is that I was so worried about my legacy and my reputation, I forgot how to have good value systems and a good character.
0: Right. And you you probably, I would imagine, thought you had a good value system and kind of fooled yourself into thinking that you didn't, like your ego was masking the fact that, am I really like, you know what I mean? Like I, I think I have this great value system. I think a lot of chiefs do this. where like, we look at the, the creed and the mission vision guiding principles. And we're like, yeah, I'm totally all over this stuff. And it's like, go put a big mirror in front of yourself. And when no one's around, ask yourself that question and answer it honestly, because are you really? Cause like, yeah. I've had that realization several times where it's like, what am I about? Like, what am I, what am I doing? Am it's I integrity. really doing the best I could be, could yeah. be doing? Am I really all about, The mission of taking care of junior sailors or am I, am I devoting more to taking care of myself and chasing my own promotion position and everything else?
1: And a lot of that for me personally, uh, as a man was a mask of masculinity. Uh, you know, that, that's just my own personal story. I mean, it could be whatever that is for you. Uh, Right. You know, for me, I was afraid to show weakness. I believe I I have to plug my girl, Brene Brown, uh, the power of vulnerability. That book changed my life, man.
0: Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm writing all these down as you bring them up.
1: Yeah. So the power of vulnerability really changed my life because I think what I learned was that I was, uh, I was wearing this mask and masculinity trying so hard to be uh, this tough, stoic, um, very hard, boss mate, Navy, yeah, yeah. you know, who yeah, like, dude, I have tattoos yep. on my hands, like, you know. <laughs> So I was trying real hard to look real hard, uh, yeah. and that was because I ha- I was afraid that if anybody saw the chink of my armor that I had been sexually abused when I was a kid, or if I had like you know this weakness in my personal life that I was failing at, that you know I wouldn't be able to be on this pedestal as a good leader. That you know they wouldn't see me as a leader anymore if they knew that I had these weaknesses in my past or even in my current life. And Brene Brown talks about. You can't do, so the example I gave is she, she was in this room, you used the term pipe hitter earlier, and that's exactly what she did in her research is she brought a bunch of pipe hitters into a room, a bunch of Navy SEALs, uh, Recon, you know, MARSOC, like all these pipe yeah. hitters, right? And said, okay, all you tough military guys, I want one of you, any, any of you to raise your hand if you can tell me a time when you were courageous without being vulnerable. Take your time, think about it. Give me a time when you were courageous without being vulnerable zero hands went up it's yeah. impossible it's impossible right uh but yet we all try to do that we try to put that round right. peg in the square hole and it, you know it's, it's
0: but like there, i i imagine they were thinking of situations where they were physically vulnerable to like danger and bodily harm and it's like but it's a great illustration for interpersonal relationships or it's like when exactly. have you ever done anything courageous as a leader like it emotionally via the connection you have with, with your sailors or or whoever you're leading and not been vulnerable when you did it. It's like, it's the, it's the same answer, right? Where it's like, you don't. And I, I don't know that like why it's not something that's realized easier because even having the conversation with somebody that's back in the position of, where they're still prideful and they're still worried about the outside perception. And they feel like they can fake it till they make it by being more masculine or being tougher or being like Mm -hmm. this prototypical chief. That's like appears to be in line with all the things that we say that we are. Right. It's just like, yeah.
1: Well, I'll give you a good example uh, in my own personal life. Like the talk originally that I give um, and I, I, I would just, plug any commanding officer, uh, command DAPA, Sapper, uh, any, anybody out there that has a command that has, that can benefit from this talk that I gave is called evolution through resilience. Hit me up on Facebook, find me, yeah, uh, yeah. I will fly out to your command. It takes 30 minutes. And I will talk about all this stuff to your command. Uh, yeah, it's free. Like I don't, you
0: know, yeah, I got yeah. a limited
1: amount of time, but. Yeah. So I, we'll for
0: sure. Talk about that offline. Cause if you're ever out here, uh, I, I, I have the (laughs) pull via the ears that I I'm able to whisper into to get a large, a large area into a theater and put you in front of them. So like, I I would love to do that. I think it'd be super valuable.
1: It's really powerful. Uh, and I didn't, we could talk about imposter syndrome in a little bit, but when I first started giving this talk, it, it was November of last year. So yeah, it wasn't just like anything with muscle memory. Like we were talking about earlier with your podcast, you know, the first recordings weren't as good as they are now. Right. Right. But I also wasn't as vulnerable. I didn't mention anything about suicidal ideations. I wasn't ready to talk about that yet. You know, and I, I think I had some self-awareness, but maybe not the self-actualization as to the actual situation. Yeah. And again, every time I give that talk, my armpits sweat, I get super nervous. (laughs) You know, yeah, because I'm uh, about to get up here and get extremely raw and vulnerable with you. Right. But right. that's what makes it so powerful because. Right. Like if I were to just get up here and say, well, you know, wasn't really my fault. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, everybody drives drunk. I got caught once. Who else got yeah. caught? You know,
0: but I'm know, like pro- a. S- a sanitized version of it where you're just peeling off the vulnerability, but you're still taking ownership wouldn't be like, it'd be right. good, but it wouldn't be as impactful.
1: Well, and it wasn't as impactful as it is now because honestly, man, that's I'm through repetition through sets and reps, you know, I've learned like there's always going to be, you know, imposter syndrome is kind of like, you know, who am I? What, what,
0: oh yeah. For sure. How do I
1: deserve to talk to these? I'm sure you get it with the podcast. Like your reason. I, right?
0: I do man. Yeah. yeah I've had, a. Yeah. it's been an issue that I've struggled with for a long time because I can mm-hmm. tell you like, there's a lot of people that want me to put my face and name on this thing and go give talks and go do all this stuff. But I, there's a, there's other reasons besides the imposter syndrome thing. I like, I'm, I'm not, I don't like being the center of attention. So like, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around doing that. Cause I just like, I don't think I would enjoy it. I don't, I don't know. Um, but again, it's but, bigger than you and the world I, doesn't benefit I, yeah. from you not doing that. Do you <laughs> know I'm what I mean? I'm struggling with that right yeah. now. Cause a lot of people tell me that where I'm like, I, cause another reason why I don't is because I think that especially tackling a lot of the issues that I want to tackle. I fear that junior sailors will look at me as this guy's just doing it for an eval bullet or he's doing it for the publicity or he's doing it for whatever where i don't know that i would get the trust and the connection that i do with these sailors because there is uh, this thing is unquestionably not about me like you don't even know what i look like you know what i mean and and Mm -hmm. so i i feel like even if i put my face on it my name would stay off of it so i could hopefully maintain some of that but i think right now my my the line in my head is retirement. Like when I retire, I will start doing YouTube videos and I'll travel and I'll do some of those things as, mm-hmm. as the opportunities arise. But because now it's like, it strips away that, I, well, I'm not going to make master chief off this. So it's like, right. It's not, it's not, I it can't really be a selfish, a selfish motive at that point. But, um, but yeah, man, I get a lot of the imposter thing where it's just like, I worried a lot when I first started, like with it, I'd get a backlash from chiefs on like, who does this guy think he is talking to me about like how I should be a better chief or a better leader or like, who does this guy think he is trying to turn himself into this like well,
1: I'll, I'll platform tell you
0: for junior sailors?
1: I'll tell you something hard that that is out there. Yeah, sure. But, yeah. Is. I mean, when I, that video I posted, that has got like 19,000 views of the talk. Yeah. You know, the, my inbox hits with like, you had your hands in your pockets.
0: You know, or I was nervous. I'm yeah. human. Get off, yeah. like get off me, bro.
1: Well, yeah. like, did yeah. you listen to the message, man? You know yeah, I mean? yeah.
0: Like, there's Those, always going to yeah. be some sort
1: of. Sure. Y- anytime you put yourself out there for the greater good with good intentions, you have yeah. to just
0: you have to just know that you're um, yeah getting attacked by.
1: But you know, I say this a lot too. You know, whatever that thing is that scares you, I think if you have good intentions. And even if it's not as polished as it needs to be, if you have good intentions, do it anyway. And the world will conspire to help you. Like, that's what's happened to me. Like the world is conspiring to lift me up because brother, I'm not, I'm not worried about making senior chief. I'm not worried about getting retained (laughs) in the Navy. I'm not worried about getting famous. Like I'm going to get out and probably go do like a boss mate job. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is truly a labor of love and an effort Mm -hmm. of service to help sailors not make the same mistakes I did to have some self-awareness, to use the resources that are out there to talk to someone if they're having an issue, notice the warning signs, get the help, don't drink and yeah. drive. You know, yeah. if you're having suicidal ideations, you know, talk to someone, all of that stuff has nothing to do with me,
0: you know? Right.
1: And if it did, people would know. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think for like, for your project, people know, or they wouldn't be following it. You know, they wouldn't be, right. it wouldn't resonate. Like it would fall yeah. on deaf ears if you were reading from a, like if right now, if I was just reading from a, an outline that you and I discussed earlier and we weren't just letting this conversation flow. They'd be like, who are these yahoos? Like, why would I listen to Mm. that? You know, that's not, Uh, that's not how people talk. (laughs) (laughs) They're just trying to convey some message to, you know, build themselves up.
0: Right. And I, I, you know, I've, I've experienced what you were talking about. Like the, the world will conspire to lift you up as far as like, like this isn't a for-profit thing. I don't have a budget. Like I don't have money, so it's like yeah. I put a, I've sucked a lot of my own money into trying to get the word out and and just dumb stuff like all the subscription fees and like the equipment and stuff like that. But it's like uh, getting the word out to people. It's like uh, people are falling all over themselves to connect and help out. And what can I do? Like and and I, honestly, like the most positive feedback I've gotten is from chiefs. Like just. Oh my god this is amazing what can i do to help you know instead of what i was fearing which was like who does this idiot think he is which as it gets bigger and bigger i'm sure it's coming like when i got on reddit for the first time I yeah. was like oh here they are i found you like, but it was also but it was also a really great group of people that i needed the brutal feedback and and they were there was a, a very tiny minority that were just there to take pot shots but the vast yeah. majority were like it was like a a really honest mirror where it was just like they were like giving me all this feedback, relaying stories, challenging me because I'm a senior chief. They were just like, oh, this dude's the enemy. But then it was they were challenging me. We would have conversations and then realize like, oh, this guy's not who I think he is. And then I could get those conversations going. I've had a lot of those people from Reddit on the podcast and it's just mm-hmm. like. It's been amazing, really, really high functioning, intelligent humans that are outside of the mess looking in for the most part. Um, Some of them are chiefs that I've talked to, but it's just such a great place because it's anonymous and there's no fear of reprisal. Generally, like there are some guys, some people there that are like, super paranoid that I'm going to, like, figure out who they are and dox them and, like... Oh, know, yeah. I'm like, bro, yeah. like, that's not even... I'm too uh, busy look, for look, that. Did you, Yeah, yeah did you, and plus, did you listen to anything I, on the podcast? Like, that's not who I am. But, well, yeah, I, like, so... I I've, think another I've, thing
1: that we as leaders need to start uh, taking notice of... So, like, Admiral Zumwalt started, you know, the Z-Grams, Yeah. right? yep. Uh, and I, I really try very hard not to talk about politics, but you know, the way the president uses Twitter, um, you know, you have to reach the people where they are. Yeah. You know? right. and, and and right now people are not going to read. If I put out an official Naval message that says, yeah. Hey, uh, BMC SWO Jeff Bayless says, go get the help you need and don't yeah, be so no macho that you, you know, nobody's even going to read that message. But right. if you're, Instagram profile says, Hey, reach out to me if you need help and go ahead and slide into my DMS and give me a call and I will help you. That's where they're
0: at. That's That's exactly how I arrived at doing this, man. It was like, I had a bunch of sailors reaching out to me because I was an A school instructor just saying, Hey, I'm having these issues and these challenges with leadership, whether they were in a leadership position or it was, they were having trouble dealing with their chief or first class. Mm -hmm. And I kept answering the same questions over and over again. And I was just like, okay, if my tiny subsection of the Navy is having this problem this often, and it's so similar, all junior sailors are very likely having this problem. And what can I do to address it and, and provide these answers and this type of like resource? Cause it just started as like, I'm just going to do leadership stuff and like leadership development type resources, like a topic where they can use it as an educational tool. And, That's what I'm like, where do I reach them? And I was like, Instagram, like, (laughs) like back, like back when I started, like Instagram, Facebook, like stuff like that. And then I was like, but I can't do it all on it on social media. So it was like podcasts. Like I had just started listening to them and I'm like, this is the move. And I'd love to do YouTube, but I'm not, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm willing to put my face on it yet. Face on there. Yeah. Well, you know, and
1: you, you brought up something that I really have learned probably maybe in the last six months or a year, you know, Mm. my podcast is called the evolution. And the reason it's titled that is, you know, I think we're all in a constant evolution of growth and learning, or that's the idea, right? Like we should be, or we should aspire to try to evolve as human beings. And uh, one thing I've learned probably in the last six months to a year, initially I thought my pro, you know, what happened, I don't want to say happened to me because nothing happened to me. I, I made all those decisions. Uh, but what happened in my life? I was like, man, this is a crazy story. Like, have you ever heard of a BMC swo? With that experience, <laughs> no. going you know, like, yeah, but I, I, dude, I thought my story was like so unique. I was like, and I used to walk yeah. around like, yeah, I'm a unicorn, man. You know, <laughs>
0: like, yeah, yeah.
1: You're never gonna meet a beat. Like, people would be like, why is your pen gold? That doesn't make any sense. You
0: know, right? Like, hey, man, you're wearing the wrong pen. <laughs>
1: yeah, actually, I got. <laughs> Did people challenged- stop you?
0: Yeah. Well, so I wear NWU. So most people don't notice, but like, oh, you can't tell. Yeah. I was at the
1: uniform shop and the lady behind the counter one time was like, Hey chief. Uh, and she was being real polite
0: and very quiet. Yeah. Like, you're buying
1: the wrong pin. <laughs> yes. Well, I had it on and she was like, Oh, okay, the wrong gotcha. one. she's like, I had the E one over here. I'll go get it. I was like, no, 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 no. It's, it's the swoop pin. <laughs>
0: like that's yeah. correct. No, I'm wearing the right one. I can tell yeah. you. All. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what I, that's what true. I
1: thought that my, my philosophy that I've kind of worked through here is that, uh, my story is not unique, man. I mean, it's really not. I mean, it's it's my story based on what I went through, but HM1, uh, Lieutenant Commander, I had a phone conversation with within 05 that was in line to make Admiral that has a very similar, uh, not not exactly the same, you know, he didn't do Ironman triathlon and, right. you know, he, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't go through the same process that I did, but his story followed, you know. It's a lot of the same reoccurring themes that we're just not addressing our own mental health and, yeah. you know, trying to ensure that, uh, you know, all the things I talk about, like checking in with your ego, not wearing a mask of masculinity, not climbing the ladder on the wrong building, you know, like making yeah. sure that all these other stories are very similar to mine. And that's why it resonates.
0: Like, yeah, there's, yep.
1: there's usually a line of a dozen sailors waiting afterwards to like
0: Shake my hand and just say that's cool, man. Yeah, I saw hey, some of the comments on the video where, like, this changed my life, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I was like, that's incredible.
1: One sailor afterwards, he was like, Hey, uh, can I, can I just take a picture? Is that weird? <laughs> I was like, No way, brother, that's awesome. Like, all, give me man. a hug, yeah, yeah. take that's a picture. So cool. let's, let's have a hug, let's hug it out. Here's my card, yeah. like, give me a call, man. What,
0: what yeah, surely
1: yeah. he had something going on, you know, that he
0: was for sure, and that's what's weird for people, like. At, this thing's been growing for a long time. I've been doing it for like five years. And so there's t- people that I don't think they think I'm serious when it's like, I'll talk to anybody. Same this here. isn't, I don't think I'm important or different or better or any, like, there's no, like, I think people, even with my face and name, not on it, it's like, they know I'm a senior chief and they know that, well, let's don't go up the shit podcast. Like there's people that build it up in their mind is like, a, th- a thing. And I'm just like, no, no, it's not. No, like contact me. I will talk to anybody about anything, wh- however long you want to, whatever. Like I won't put your name on it if you don't want me to. Like I'll I'll email you the file so that you know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, w- I just want to have the conversation if for no other reason than we get to have the conversation, because like there might be a time there's a couple close calls where like we recorded one and then they were getting real uneasy about me putting it out. I'm like, man, it's fine. Like, I don't yeah. need to put it out. I can, I can, yeah. we had that conversation. We both benefited from it. We can just move on. It's not yeah. a big deal. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, I, 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 wor- I worry that it'll like get to that point where it's like, no, no, it's totally cool, man. Like, I really want to talk to you guys. Yeah. It's awesome that you even, yeah, it's awesome that you even want to do it. Like, I'm grateful that you guys are reaching out and willing to have the conversation. Well, and that, that just shows that, or it's telling to the point
1: that we need to reach sailors where they are,
0: right, you know? right. And I find Just, that that's it's working. I'm not. I'm not saying we reason. shouldn't
1: have professional development boards. I'm not saying we shouldn't have career sure, development sure. boards. Uh, you know, if a sailor doesn't promote, we should bring him in yeah. and say, hey, you know, this you know, or if you know, and I I have the rare experience of as a chief talking to sailors about commissioning programs. You know, like hmm. what's your intention behind wanting to put in a commissioning program specifically in my what was my designator, I can tell you what, you know, the board is looking for, for your, you know, you need to have a well control letter. You need to have some amphibious warfare experience. So I, I do think that stuff still needs to exist, but that that can't be the only avenue for outreach. Yeah. You know, we need and to, I, we need to be able to talk to sailors where they are Yeah, uh, whenever that is.
0: And I think our, we've got our foot in the door as far as like the, the people at the highest levels are starting to recognize that. And there's like, there's a really clunky delivery of like the Navy app locker and a bunch of other stuff so where they're, they're trying, they're realizing like they know that you reach sailors through the thing that's welded to their hand. But like the way in which they're doing it, it's like net sailors aren't leveraging those platforms yet. <laughs> you know, like right. hopefully it comes around, but I think with like, so uh, they got Grant con at the, it's like the office of information. Now they like invented a job for him with Naval recruiting where he was using social media to reach people and it, like basically make recruiting better, like more ro- oh, cool. sailors by reaching them through social media. So they created a job for him there Very where he was cool. like at their headquarters leading the charge and like training all the recruiting districts on how to do the things that he was doing. And then now I think they've created a job for him in DC where he's doing like stuff where, it's kind of like just the similar thing, but not applied to recruiting applied to like everything. So like mm-hmm. he's influencing how the Navy runs their Instagram account and like how they're doing all these other things to reach sailors. And he's on Reddit all the time still. And he's doing all the mental health awareness stuff still. And so it's like, they're starting to be like, okay, clearly what we're doing is not working. Let's go get somebody like him to go do this thing because whatever he's doing is working and he's reaching people that we're not reaching. and, and he's, a guy that people trust because of the things that he did. So it's like, yeah, I think they're, they're starting to figure out that like, there's, <laughs> let's just let this guy do it. Cause he's, he's, whatever he's doing is working. It's working. It, yeah. But yeah, recog- f- the recognition's there too, that, that this every, is how we d- reach people.
1: Every senior leader I've worked for, uh, had the pleasure to even have a conversation with, they are very open to innovation. I've, I've not met an admiral or, you know, commanding officer, of a, a large deck that is not, for the most part, you know, uh, yeah. that is not open-minded to innovation, uh, but who's going to do that work? Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're managing so many things that, you know, how many CAS reps they're tracking, how many, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yep. they got so many meetings, like you can't leave it on the CEO or, you know, the, the triad even, um, you know, who's going to do that work? Well, I've challenged you, like the listener, you, like right. everybody, all of us collectively, need to do the work, you know, to facilitate an environment where maybe it's on social media, maybe it's just like a a bowling league in your command or whatever that thing looks like where sailors, you know, know that they can communicate openly and, you know, get the feedback from real human beings that care about them. Uh, It doesn't, I'm very careful how I say this, but it doesn't have to be a certain rank. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah, it doesn't, and I, it doesn't have to be the chief. It doesn't have to be the officer. It doesn't have to be the CMC or the, you know, just because I'm the NAPA, I'm the guy that needs to intervene when somebody's like shown up to work intoxicated, you know?
0: Yeah. Like There's stuff like that. Yeah. Where I'll tell you, and I'm going to, I'm going to shout out the USS Hopper right now. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen it on Facebook or anything. They have this thing called life promotion and no. it's like a it, so I'll read the it says suicide prevention advocates, life promotion advocates, LPA believe their first priority is for sailors to be safe, protected, treated with dignity and respect and to receive the medical treatment care counseling they deserve. And cool. it's a group of junior sailors that run this thing awesome. uh, like E5 and E5 and below. They do all these cool events. If you go on their page, they got like videos of them doing stuff and like they share all this cool stuff and they are just promoting an environment on that ship of taking care of yourself and the, and the people around you first and making sure everybody's okay so that they can be in a position to do the mission and all the things that we do as sailors. And it's, it's cool. Cause I saw that and I was like, that's the, that's what I'm talking about. That's what you're talking about right now. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you don't have to wait for a nav admin to come out, authorizing you to do this thing. Just do it. Just yeah. start. I like, think a in, lot of
1: times too, the fear is that, you know, and I, I had this fear too, that, uh, with all these programs, you know, and do I need another program? Like, I'll be honest, when the mentorship program came out, I was kind of like, I raised my eyebrow out. I was like, really? I need the Navy yeah. to tell me who my mentor is. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know who my mentor is. You know, I've
0: like, never seen a successful mentorship program based on that instruction. ever.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So we agree. Uh. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, but at the same time, you know, although I do kind of raise an eyebrow at programs like that, I think something, so the fear is that that's going to take you away from your job. Right. Like yeah. my, my fear is that, okay, all these sailors are doing this other stuff, but they're not, you know, in my example would be, they're not boss mating. you know, they're not, mm-hmm. they're not up there, you know, ringing the on station, you know, they're not yeah. doing, you know, their actual job. Well, guess what happened to me? Like I wasn't able to really do my job and my best capability for about six years.
0: Right. Cause you're do you know what I
1: mean? Like with, yeah, how good yep. of a boss mate was I for those at least four years where I was struggling in my personal life to not go to jail for a DUI, you know, yeah. not not commit suicide, be a good father, uh, not I got I got to give a shout out to my wife, man. Um, so my wife now is amazing, baby. If you're listening, I love you very much, and uh, my wife saved my life. Uh, she's an amazing human being, and uh, but during that time, you know, if I didn't have her to talk to. And, yeah. uh, work through this stuff anyway, I owe her a lot. And, um, uh, yeah. but that took me away from my ability to be the best officer, the best sailor that I could be. And so if we're so worried about, uh, we're so worried about, are these sailors not doing their job every minute of the workday, not letting them go PT, you know, like yeah. not letting them have a personal life. I'm not saying don't meet mission, like by God, Yeah, mission yeah. first, always, we got to meet mission, but we got to let them be human beings too, or else you'll get what happened in my scenario Yeah, where, you know, of my 20 year career, four years of that was kind of, I don't know.
0: <laughs> and, and you gotta, you gotta allow those things that you're talking about to happen so that you can successfully meet mission. That's what we talked a lot about that yesterday. So the guy that I talked to, he was a, he's an NSW enabler, but he Mm -hmm. uh, previously was a nuke on a submarine. So we, we had that in common as far as the submarining thing. And we, he, he used that as an example a lot of the times where he was talking about uh, the attrition rate. So like in special warfare, guys can, can quit. And like, you just be like, unvolunteer yourself and go to the regular Navy. And, He's right. like, it's, it's the almost, R. it's an, yeah. yeah, it's an almost never thing. Once these guys are in the community and they're doing the job, it's like, you don't see people quit almost ever at that point. Like all the attrition happens in the training pipeline, but look, once you're there and you're in it and you're doing it, he's like almost never. And yeah. he's like, you know, in, in the, in the submarine community, it happens all the time. Oh and really? It's because yeah, it's because we people. People have mental health issues. People have suicidal ideations. People have all these things where it's like you. it's just so stressful and we're so focused on mission accomplishment that nothing else matters. And it's like like it does air quotes, but it's like it doesn't really In, in application in real life every day. It doesn't matter. So you have a lot of people that either get in trouble or just like have the suicidal ideations or mental health struggles that take them off the unit. And so you have all these gaps where we then struggle to figure out how we're going to accomplish the mission because we don't have enough watchstanders or we don't have enough whatever expertise experience in a certain area because people are are quitting all the time. And it's like, and I say quitting because I don't like, struggling to the point that they're not mission effective anymore because we didn't devote the bandwidth to, to those other areas, to making sure they're okay as a human so that yeah. they can then do this hard thing effectively.
1: I, I'm a, I'm a cyclist, right? And so uh, one of the maintaining your bicycle, I'm, I'm pretty OCD. Like I said, earlier, so <laughs> my bicycle is, it's very expensive. It's probably, worth, well, I definitely have more in, money invested in bicycles than my vehicle. Uh, yeah. But so like, you know, we maintain our bicycles because you might be going 40 miles an hour and you need to make sure that that thing is squared away. Yeah. Right. And so I, yeah. I give the analogy to uh truing of a wheel. Uh, are you familiar with this? Like what that means?
0: Right. I, I mean, I vaguely know what it means. Yeah. yeah to make so sure it's like, straight so it turns correctly and stuff.
1: Yeah. So you have all these spokes, right. That go into a wheel and basically each spoke is at a certain, uh, torque spec so that yeah. each spoke is straight and that's what keeps the wheel straight and in line. And yeah, like yeah. not wobbly. So when you apply the brakes, right. the brake pressure meets evenly. So your life is like a wheel and every spoke in that wheel has to be to the right torque spec. You know, you can call it balance, whatever, you, you know, work-life balance, whatever you want to call it. Right, But you know, if, if if we're so laser focused on making sure that you got your spot check done uh, yeah. by Tuesday at 1600 that we don't allow for these other spokes to get tightened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're going to, you're going to yeah. reckon that bicycle and that's exactly right. what and happened it go- to me. You know, I was out of And troop. it goes
0: from, from like this tiny little, like, like if you're, if you're doing it right, you're doing these tiny little corrections here and there as like mm-hmm. a, as like a constant maintenance instead of I just crashed my bike and now I got to replace a bunch of spokes because 100%. I wasn't allowed to do those tiny little tweaks.
1: Minor course corrections.
0: Right, right. Yeah. yeah, You know, ships
1: can make 180 degree turns, but they don't, you know, always hard rudder. I mean, it's one degree increments, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're yeah. unwrapping, you know, uh, are you familiar with like a, a you know, a Papa Corpin where you basically change course while you're while und- conducting an underway replenishment? You can, these ships make uh, major course directions while alongside,
0: yeah. but it's yeah.
1: one degree at a time,
0: you know, right, right. it's
1: slow course corrections. Uh, and then something that, I wrote down actually to, to revisit, I read uh, the Blue Zones uh, mm-hmm. and they talk about these people that live to be over a hundred years old and centenarians. And they, the dude did a lot of research and traveled around the world. And uh, I don't, I can't even remember all the areas like Okinawa, uh, Costa Rica, but so there were all these spokes in the wheel where people were happy and living their best lives. Yeah. And part of that was diet. Exercise, yep. belief in a higher power, but you know what the number one thing was?
0: Probably some feeling of value. It was, yeah, not, it was yeah. It was a
1: community. It was tribe. Yeah. yeah. Be- belief like that. You were a part of something, uh, part of a community, part of a tribe. Yeah. Part of part of a. Um, yeah, just having that that community. Uh, right. And so if you're you know, you were saying that the guys going to the NSW community, they feel a part of that community. They feel a part of, you know, they're not ostracized. They're not outed, uh, for being, they're all part of one team. You know, we say yeah, one team, I, one fight,
0: but do we mean that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and in, in practical application, I can tell you that, and, and there's like new guy stuff that he talked about that happens in like the team's community, like the NSW community, but like on submarines, like the, First year you're on board, you're earning your dolphins. It's like a eat your own type of like they, it's almost like they're trying to get you to quit. And it's it can be pretty savage. And it's like mm-hmm. back when I was getting my fish in 2003, it was a totally different world where hazing wasn't <laughs> quite defined and, and unacceptable the way that it is now. But like yeah. even today, even today on submarines, it's like there's. Stuff that still happens where, um, I mean, you generally turns into a hazing case, but there's still a lot of stuff that happens where it's like, these people are made to feel like outsiders. They're made to feel like they're not wanted. They're made to feel like, uh, you know, they're not valued. So it's like, mm-hmm. and these kids, man, they're still learning how to be adults, uh, that they're the maturity and life experience is not the same. And it's like, you see a lot of these kids that are just like, what am I doing here? Like, Why? I've never been treated this way. I don't feel like I done anything to be treated this way. Like all I want to do is be a valuable contributing member of the team. And all you're doing up is, is, is throwing up roadblocks in front of me and making it more and more difficult when you would think you would do the opposite and help me integrate and help me learn the things I need to learn to get my fish and be a valuable contributing member of the team, because presumably you want me to do that. Right. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I think that's why we have the, the issues that we do with attrition.
1: Yeah, I, I think the SWO community does a little bit of that too with the SWO pin. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Is it wasn't as hard as for me because I'd already been in the Navy eleven years at that time. So right. I wasn't nineteen years old trying to figure out, or even twenty two as a you know junior officer just out of college. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that um, that focus on ensuring that no matter if it's a junior officer, a junior sailor, or even somebody like myself that's been through a lot of stuff, right? I could have been, the Chiefs mess could have told me like, no way, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, go get go yeah. eat on the mess decks. Like, you're not welcome yep. in the mess. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and, and they didn't. And, you know, that kind of restores my faith. Well, it doesn't kind of. It 100% restores my faith in the Chiefs mess. Uh, because it's not just one mess that I'm a part of. You know, it's right. not just one one ship. I mean, I'm, I'm out on several ships, at least four or five a day. Uh, talking to chiefs and different chiefs messes and pretty much everybody knows, <laughs> you know, like it's not a big secret on the waterfront. Right. And they didn't ostracize me. And therefore I, you know, I feel a part of the tribe. I feel a part of the community. I feel a part of the team. And that, I think that's important to encourage. I just think we focus so much about rank. We need to focus more on bringing people into the community of yeah. an, an open, open kimono. Like you should feel <laughs> like as a junior sailor you can talk to your cmc you know yeah or you as a junior officer feel like if your chief is out of calibration that you would bring it to his or her attention and they would be receptive uh you know to your input you know yep and that that all goes back to i think building that community that that tribe like they talk about in the blue zones where they know you're coming from a good place to you know to help them you know genuinely you know like the the two biggest lies in the Navy is uh, we're glad you're here and we're here to help. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I really am here to help. Yeah, I so am I. And I wish it was more widely accepted. Like I wish those lines of communication were as open as we're talking about instead of what you actually encounter, which is all those barriers that we create for ourselves by rank and like mm-hmm. the separation of like chiefs from junior enlisted or the officers are in the wardroom and like, you can't go in officer. I've, I've heard of, I've never experienced on a surface ship. Like there's areas you're not allowed to go. Cause it's, it's O country and it's like, what like yeah i'm not allowed to walk down a way because officers are in here like uh well it's like official official business only which also means like just don't come up here yeah yeah which (laughs) i'm like i I can tell you and i would i would just get in trouble on an aircraft carrier i will 100 unless it's like a birthing area or like it's something's going on like it's like a skiff i'm not allowed to be in for some reason or whatever like like if my officer, if my department head's down there and I need to, to I need my department head, I'm 100% walking down that P way and I dare you to try to stop me. And it's like, yeah. a, so I'm just like, I wouldn't, I would not do well in that environment, but and I, well, I, I get it. Like,
1: I, you know, having haven't been on all surface ships. Uh, yeah. I think the, the focus is like, we're what we should be telling people to, or maybe not. I don't want to tell anybody anyway. I want to challenge somebody to consider, you know, what is your tribe then? So like, if you're on an aircraft carrier, your tribe may not be the entire ship. It just yeah. may not be. It may be your division, and that's yeah. still a hundred sailors. <laughs> you right? Know what I mean, right. So big impact, right? So you know, don't focus on the negative of what you're not allowed to be a part of. Right. You know, right. Focus on the, sure. the community that you have within your division or on your submarine. If it's now, there are commands. If if you've ever been to a minesweeper, a PC, when they do stores onload, the commanding officers mm-hmm. out there humping stores because that yeah, is and- that is such a tight community that. You know yeah. that is the tribe, but if your tribe is your division, that's okay yeah. too.
0: You know, yeah. And s- submarines are kind of like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a definitely a lot closer. You'll definitely see some of that. But yeah, I I think that that is a is a is a part like what you're saying about focusing almost like focusing inward instead of outward. Like, don't worry about the things that <laughs> that yeah. don't really even affect you that much. It's like worry about what you can control. Because I I, ha- I had a really hard time with that coming up. Is like. I was in a hurry to get into a leadership position like an LPR chief so that I could make all these changes and make it better and blah, blah, blah. And it's like completely missing out on the impact I could have had. Cause there's guys mm-hmm. running around the Navy right now that would take my name in vain because of how I treated them when I was a second class. And it's, I was angry and bitter and there's, that's another story for another time, but. The way a very that similar
1: I, story. Yeah. I was yeah, very aggressive I had, as a second class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If
0: I had turned, if I had, if I had turned my focus towards them instead of out towards everything else, then I could have made a way bigger impact on those guys and it would have been worth it to do so obviously, but it's like, I had complete control over that and I totally missed it. Yeah. That's, that's
1: really, actually, I don't know if you know how powerful that is what you just said there because on that thread of control, um, you know, I think uh, I would challenge anybody to consider like on one end of the spectrum, don't focus on the things, don't over-identify with the things you can't control. You can't control how good of a leader you got uh, selected to work for, Uh, but you can't control your reaction to that. You know, you can't control how somebody barks orders at you, or you can't control how many duty sections you're in. You can't control, like, I got hot-filled uh, needs of the Navy. When I reverted back to chief petty officer, fortunately it worked out to be a very cool command. So uh, right. I, I love my command. I'm not saying anything negative about that, but that was out of my control. Right. I cannot control where the Navy decided to send me or who I ended up working for, who my Commodore is going to be, but I can't control my reaction to that. Yeah. And so we should focus on our reactions to things that are out of our control. And also the things that are in your control like focus on that, <laughs> you know, Yeah. you can control how you're eating every day. You can control how much time you're spending in a mindfulness practice. You can control how much time you're spending reading books to help yourself. Uh, you know, you can control how much time you're spending on getting your qualifications. So your job is easier.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, uh, there are things that are in your control that you should focus on. Things that are outside your control that you can only control your reaction to. So don't focus on that other person's actions. Just focus on yeah. what you can control.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, any save rounds alibis? I feel like <laughs> we've, we're coming to a natural conclusion. No, it's perfect. Yeah. Hey, again, oh, yeah. I just,
1: I, you know, I do want to say, um, I, I say it in the talk and it's, it's very true. You don't get to choose whether you participate in life or not. You know, we're all in the arena. Uh, this audience is a hundred, well, probably a hundred percent military. And, you know, that comes with, added responsibility and accountability, but just by the mere fact that you're a human being means you're going to have some adversity in life. And so you can, you can sit and get spun up on that, or you can just know upfront that life is suffering and you're going to have some adversity and that's okay. That just makes you a human being. Um, and just know that you're going to have some adversity and reach out to me, you know, I'm here for you. Um, and also if you're Again, if you if you have a command that is having some stuff like I'm here for you, too. Um, I got a limited amount of time. So just hit me up. I'm, I'm here to be of yeah, service. Do you want to put
0: out put out ways that they can get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm definitely on Instagram. It's
1: uh, Jeff underscore Bayless underscore. Uh, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, you know, Jeff Bayless. Uh, just hit me up. I'm I'm pretty open uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely here to be of service for the limited amount of time that I have still in uniform.
0: Yeah, and then you got the the podcast. You want to talk about that?
1: Yep. So uh, the evolution, uh, it's it's on any platform. Uh, what we talk about is persevering through adversity. I bring on very interesting people every once in a while. I'll pepper in some of my own thoughts, uh, but yeah. the goal there is just kind of like I was talking earlier. Uh, you you think your story is is uh, is uncommon, and you listen to my podcast, you'll see that. Yeah. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> We all have a story, you know, and that's okay. It it really is okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Well, thanks man. man. This was awesome. Really, really glad we got to do it.
1: Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity, brother.
0: Yeah. No worries. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I definitely did. I've talked to Jeff again since then, uh, where we did an interview on his evolution podcast, uh, And then we just talk all the time. He'll definitely be on the platform again in in one way or another. Uh, we're already talking about it. (laughs) Um, but just highly encourage you guys to check out his podcast, the evolution. If you're in the position to, uh, recommend it to your chain of command, to get him out there, to give that talk, I highly recommend that as well. Um, the video I've shared on social media, so go back and check it out. And then, um, yeah, I just I'm super interested to see the reaction that this gets and any conversations that it starts because it's the kind of thing that should start one. And it's the kind of thing that I wish we saw more of with people sharing their stories. And I'm discovering more and more things uh, as I as I do this, where sailors are coming together in groups like on Facebook or uh, via some kind of a platform and having really productive conversations about a ton of different topics. So it's really cool to see that happening. And, and if you feel the urge to do that, I highly encourage you to do so. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people that are kind of on the fence about whether or not they should do something like this, where they're just having a conversation or they're expressing their opinion or doing whatever. I mean, whether it's a blog or a podcast or YouTube or whatever, obviously there's considerations with the UCMJ, like what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. But I highly encourage you to have productive conversations uh, about whatever it is. And uh, if you want to reach out to us about this or anything else, hit us up. Don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the shit podcast. Or you can DM me on Instagram or Reddit at DGAS podcast or just DGAS podcast on Reddit. Uh, we also have a sub there. So If you want to discuss the the content of the podcast, that's a good place to do it. Also, if you want to support us, uh, we, the only mechanism we have to have anybody support us financially is through the store. Uh, and that's just to help us pay the bills. We're not a for-profit thing. So uh, you can check that out at dgetspodcast.com slash shop. You can get t-shirts, stickers, magnets, bunch bunch of cool stuff. And then it, it helps us uh, pay all the subscription fees and stuff. Uh, and then uh, if you could, if you would, uh, like, share, subscribe, do all those things. Uh, again, don't have the funds to, to advertise heavily or do anything crazy like that. But it helps every time you guys share the content, like it, subscribe, review us on iTunes, all those things. It helps it get a little more visibility and get the word out to more people uh, that need the platform. So that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.